Hello everybody, Mark Carlson here, SNEA Technical Council Co-Chair. Welcome to the SDC Podcast. Every week, the SDC Podcast presents important technical topics to the storage developer community. Each episode is hand-selected by the SNEA Technical Council from the presentations at our annual Storage Developer Conference. The link to the slides is available in the show notes at snea.org slash podcasts. You are listening to SDC Podcast, Episode 169. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this session. I'm Mohiuddin Mazumdar from Intel. I co-chair the PCI SIG Electrical Workgroup, and I will be giving this presentation, PCI 6.0 specification, a high-performance interconnect for storage networking challenges. So I will give you a little bit of background on the PCI technology and how it is evolving. And then I will work and talk about key metrics and the requirements for PCI 6.0 specification, how we use a holistic approach uh, by optimizing electrical, logical, protocol, and all aspects of this uh, technology to minimize latency for 64 gigatransfer per second PAM4 signaling. I will provide a summary of key electrical improvements in PCI 6.0 and talk about PCI compliance process, which is a key important aspect of PCI technology, and we'll conclude the presentation. So if we just look at the PCI interconnect for storage, um, the graph that you are seeing here, it's giving an example uh, snapshot. So if we look at and focus on this blue color here, the bar portion, that is NVMe uh, PCIe based. So as we can see from 2017 and moving into the future, into 2024, it is growing very rapidly. And today, 70 to 80% of data center SSDs use PCIe as the interface because of its high performance, which is exemplified by the data rate and scalable widths uh, available in by one, by two, by four, by eight, by 16 combination of those two gives the flexibility in terms of bandwidth. Low latency because PCI directly connects the storage device to the host. It has extended reliability, availability, and serviceability features, RAS features. It is available in many standard form factors, M.2, U.2, add-in card, EDSFF. Uh, these are all standardized in the industry. It's also provide low power. And overall, because this technology is used in so many uh, segments of the computing industry, it overall reduces the cost of uh, total ownership by minimizing overall cost because of its widespread application in the industry. Example of usages that, that benefit most from PCIe and VME-based SSDs are like database, uh, AI and machine learning, HPC virtualization, uh, edge computing, automotive, gaming, 3D graphics. Many of these applications just needs um, basically 
all of the aspects of PCA technology, mainly low latency, high bandwidth, and uh, faster speed. And all of those features makes this an ideal candidate for this type of solutions. So overall, how the PCA is the scaling and maintaining backwards compatibility, this architecture and technology delivers a high performance, low latency interconnect between the storage SSDs and the host CPU switch or switch. What I'm going to um, give you a little bit of flavor of, of other usages of PCIe, one of the major driver of the high bandwidth is also the ethernet network adapters. As demonstrated here on one side, it will be connecting uh, through the ethernet and the other side, which is mostly the cam connector based is directly communicating with the CPU. To meet a 400 gig ethernet card in a by 16, you need minimum of 32 giga transfer per second. That's what PCIe 5.0 is going to deliver. And when ethernet moves to 800 gig, then 64 gig per second, PCIe 6.0 will be able to the meet. So it is going hand in hand to meet the demands of the bandwidth on the CPU side and on the networking side. Similarly, many applications like AI machine learning, HPC that we talked about, um, uses accelerators and that also often comes in CAM card form factors. And this is a form factor that has been in use since PCIe 1.0 that's spanning almost two decades. Similarly, other applications like storage is coming into those factor and um, there are essentially um, you have by one, by two, by four, by eight, by 16, all these form factors to meet the various demands of the bandwidth. Similarly, PCIe comes in form factors like BGA to enable much lower size and compact form factor to mobile usages and other such usages. U.2 provides the hard drives so all of these form factors will be demanding various types of overall bandwidth. So we expect that as PCA technology keeps scaling, the many usages will demand various bandwidths and all of this, the latest and greatest bandwidth and, and the, even the lower will find many usages across all compute continuum. So let's took a, take a look at how PCIe has been progressing as its bandwidth is scaling. PCIe 1.2 started with 2.5 gigatransfer per second with the 8-bit, 10-bit encoding in, in 2003. And soon um, it got doubled in terms of data rate with 5.0, keeping the backwards compatibility. As we moved from PCA 2.2 to 3.0, it was considered extremely risky at that time of the technology, which needs to be low cost, needs to be high volume. Um, and we did not go to twice the bandwidth. We went to eight gigatransfer per second, but we changed the encoding from eight bit, 10 bit to 128 bit, 130 bit. And that 
gave us about 20% improvement into the logic side. So combining the logic and electrical, we got again, total 2X bandwidth, which is um, the continuing, the doubling the bandwidth every generation. Moving from there to PCI 4.0 up to 6.0, each generation, we doubled the data rate and is still maintaining the overall mechanical backwards compatibility and software backwards compatibility. So industry um, has been able to leverage and reuse their investment over these two decades of time while continuing to the bandwidth doubling for six generations. And another aspect is, is the PCI Express architecture, the PHI standards, what does it provide? It provides a single PHI standard. What it means is that um, the PHI is the same, whether it's a very short channel or a very long channel. So that allows the same circuits to be used across many types of applications from data center to mobile to embedded. And in each of those cases, it provides a low power, it provides high performance. Starting with PCI 5.0, it supports an alternate protocol support. What it means that it, the PHI doesn't have to use just the PCI protocol, it can negotiate and it can be a bridge for other protocols which then allows PCI-FI to be used in non-PCI protocols and makes the use of this, this FI um, much more uh, versatile. So the doubling the bandwidth is happening as we just saw for sixth generation now with full backwards compatibility and it is available in many different standardized form factors. In addition, PCI-SIG provides a mature and a very robust compliance and interoperability program through which industry members basically come together through various compliance workshops to ensure the proper tools are validated and through that um, the designs that are compliant to the spec there can interoperate easily. And this type of program enables an ecosystem maturity in, in a short period of time. So overall, we see that backwards compatibility with enable broad ecosystem, and it makes PCI architecture a low cost IO for diverse applications. Okay. Let's now focus on PCI 6.0. As we are working through this specification development, uh, PCI-SIG expects this specification to be complete by the end of this year. As we started this work probably more than two and a half years ago, um, we set some expectations. And the expectation is as PCI 6.0 doubles the bandwidth, it needs to leverage a lot of the industry ecosystem and installed base and be able to bring this doubling of the bandwidth. So that's the number one requirement is data rate needs to double to go to 64 gigatransfer per second. We move to PAM4 uh, modulation. This is not new technology, but this is needed and what is new and what are the specific features in PCIe. We will discuss those in the next few slides. 
the next biggest uh, and, and hardest requirement was the latency. PCIe is a load store IO architecture. It cannot tolerate large latency. So one of the requirements is that even though PAM4 requires forward error correction, which then introduces significant latency, we still cannot allow is a hundreds of nanosecond or 100 nanosecond plus latency often um, for implemented in like networking and other industry standard usages is, is capable. So we will go through how we address that challenge. Bandwidth inefficiency, because of the additional error correction, all those must be less than 2% error over PCIe across all payload sizes. Reliability in PCIe is not defined by raw bit error rate. Rather, it is defined by a parameter called failure in time, which is expressed in units of errors in billion hours. So this number needs to be much, much less than one. Channel reach. If we want to keep the data center architecture and platform architecture um, similar and continue to leverage what we have, then we need to have channel reach similar to PCIe 5.0. As PCIe supports up to two retimers, so with the addition of retimers, it allows essentially um, double, more than double, the basically two retimer. Each retimer will allow uh, full the uh, bandwidth, doubling of the bandwidth. So it, it is provides a huge channel reach and it has that built into the architecture. Power efficiency needs to be better than PCA 5.0. And in addition, low power, all the features remain similar to previous generations. Um, entry and exit latency for L1 low power state. But we also have added a new power state, L0P, which supports scalable power consumption with bandwidth usage without interrupting the traffic. So without introducing much latency, it provides another low power um, state. Plug and play, it's essentially fully backwards compatible, which means a PCIe 1.0 card can be plugged in a 6.0 system and then it will work. And similarly, a older system um, will be able to work with the newer card at whatever the maximum speed both the card and system supports. In addition to all of these key features, it's um, needless to say that it needs to be HBM ready, needs to be cost effective, and it has to be scalable to hundreds of lanes for particularly server usage in a platform. So we need to make the right trade-offs to meet each of these key metrics. And that's what sort of initiated all of the technical development work and the pathfinding and eventual standards that we are codifying in PCI 6.0. Let's now take a look at um, what is the basics of PAM4 signaling. This could be just a refresher for many of you. PAM4 signaling, is pulse amplitude modulation where there are four voltage levels as seen in this uh, graph on the right, zero, one, two, three. 
Now with four voltage level, basically we can encode two bits of information. And um, what that does is instead of binary signaling that we have used so far, where each of these UI would be representing um, either state zero or one, here we are putting two bits so we can keep the same UI and the same Nyquist frequency as 32 gigatransfer per second. Um, why is that necessary? At 32 gigatransfer per second in PCIe 5.0, we support pad-to-pad -pad loss of 36 dB at 16 gigahertz. If we try to go to 64 gigatransfer per second NRZ binary signaling, then that loss becomes more than 70 dB for the same channels. And at such a high loss, the receiver noise would be more than the amplitude of the signal arriving to the receiver. So that's a fundamental limit. Without extreme measures, such loss cannot be supported. And that's why we move to PEM4 signaling as other industry standards for 50 plus gigabit per second have also moved. But what we lose is now you can see we have three eyes. Each of these level from zero to one or one to two or two to three now have one third the voltage than a binary signaling would have. So this reduced voltage swing and also the transition between various of those voltage levels degrades um, both the, the overall signal fidelity as well as, as the timing. So even though it solves the fundamental loss barrier, it introduces significant challenges because of this uh, sensitivity to noise. And any noise that could be crosstalk, reflection, or device noise, uh, overcoming those and still provide a reliable um, signal detection is, is, is one of the fundamental challenge. To address some of them, we do mandatory gray coding to minimize errors in UI. We also uh, make pre-coding mandatory to minimize DFE burst errors, um, which is, is converted to two-bit error. So the voltage level, as we have already discussed at DX and RX defines the encoding. So now in the next few slides, I will focus on how we are going to achieve a solution that is low latency, but is still with PAM4 signaling. As we know in, in other standards, PAM4 signaling needs strong FEC, which then comes with uh, latency increase as well as complexity and area and power. So our goal is to, to address that. So some of the key parameters of interest are FBER, which means first bit error rate, which is the probability of the first bit error occurring at the receiver before any burst error happens. And then error correlation within lane and across lanes is also very important. Um, that's within lane, it could be a DFE burst error. Across lanes could be happening due to uh, common power supply noise and other issues that can give those errors. So 
BER eventually is going to be depending on the first bit error rate before any burst error is considered and the error correlation in a lane or across lanes. So how do we handle errors and then what metrics do we use? So the two mechanisms to correct errors, one is correction through FEC, forward error correction, but challenges latency and complexity increases exponentially with the number of symbols corrected. So the other mechanism is detection of errors by CRC. Um, link level retry is a, a strength of PCIe. It's unique. It has a latency of 100 nanosecond. So we try to combine two things. One is detection is linear. Latency, complexity, and bandwidth overheads are, are linear. So we make the CRC much more robust. We have a 32-bit CRC in PCIe 5.0, and for 6.0, we make it a 64-bit CRC. And then comes the probability of retry um, and, and the failure in time. That is our metric. So instead of, again, focusing on minimizing Par lane effective BER with a very robust and heavy duty FEC, we are looking at the metric of failure in time, which provides us similar reliability as previous gens of PCIe, but um, relieves us from the requirement of having a, a very low effective beta rate and, and the high. FEC latency. So what we try to do is take advantage of the PCIe link level retry mechanism and strong detection through CRC and then combine those two to implement a low latency light FEC. Um, so that's it summarizes in this slide that um, go for a lightweight FEC, use a low latency retry mechanism, apply or achieve a lower probability of retry so that the overall latency remains low. The graphs on the right side, there's a lot of data here, but the main thing I want to point out that um, the this graph here, which on the left side of y-axis is giving probability and BER. On the right side, it's giving fit rate. So our goal is again to go to fit rate close to zero or much, much less than one. And um, the others, we are flexible. So the double symbol correct can give us very low effective beta rate, but it is expensive as we discussed and high latency. On the other hand, um, single symbol correct here, even with retry probability of 10 to the minus five and FBER of 10 to the minus six, we can achieve fit of much, much less than one. And we take advantage of retry latency of 100 nanosecond, but instead of going for a 100 nanosecond latency FEC, we make use of a link level retry with 100 nanosecond and keeping the probability of that retry very low, 
and overall giving the failure in time um, in a range that is compatible with the same reliability that we have always enjoyed with PCIe. Getting into a little bit more details. Um, so FEC needs fixed set of bytes. So because of that, a fleet mode is introduced in PCI 6.0. Fleet stands for flow control unit. So the correction, detection, and retry, all of them are done at the fleet level. So to, to enable this mode now, lower data rates will also use the same fleet once this mode is enabled. And fleet size is designed to be 256 bytes. Out of that, um, 236 bytes of TLP, transaction layer packet, six bytes of DLP, eight bytes of CRC, which is 64-bit, and then six bytes of FEC. Since now it is uh, a fleet-based, there's no sync header, no framing token. So TLP is now reformatted and no um, the transaction or data link layer level CRC. So everything is at a fleet level. So all of those uh, reduction of overhead actually improves the efficiency. So net um, loss in, in overall bandwidth is, is much more reduced. And with this and a single symbol correct FEC and a light FEC and um, three-way interleaved FEC, we achieved a fleet latency that is in the order of two nanosecond for by 16 uh, port and four nanosecond for by eight, eight nanosecond for by four and 16 nanosecond for by two and 32 nanosecond for by one. So overall, the key idea is optimized by retry error fleet only uh, with the existing go back and retry. So this is a mechanism PCIe already had, um, minimizing the retry probability and making use of that link level retry we are enabling, but it provides some challenges on the electrical side. So let me address those. As we have seen to achieve the fit much, much less than one, the first beta rate FBR needs to be less than 10 to the minus six. Uh, this is almost two orders of magnitude, better BER. It needs to be compared to um, if we had to, if we could do a heavy weight and more robust FEC. Um, so this increases the electrical challenges. So we have made a lot of improvements and compromises. The pad-to-pad -pad channel loss in PCIe 5.0 is 36 dB. We estimated that that would be very difficult for achieving 10 to the minus 6 BER. So we go for a pad-to-pad -pad channel loss less than 32 dB at 16 gigahertz. We significantly reduce the channel crosstalk and crosstalk within package and the reflection at various interfaces. We improve significantly the reference clock and CDR. Jitter reduction compared to PCIe 5.0 is about 2x. Similarly, to mimic the receiver improvement, um, we developed a reference equalization scheme um, that includes transmitter, 
second precursor, improved CTLE peaking and bandwidth, and a 16-tap DFE instead of a 3-tap DFE. In addition, we need to minimize the burst error probability. So we mandate PAM4 pre-coding and gray coding, and we also limit the DFE tap coefficients. All of the taps, if, for example, if the first tap is now minimized so that the tap coefficient on the DFE tap one relative to the cursor needs to be less than 0.55. So that theoretically limits the or lowers the probability of DFE burst error. So this type of uh, electrical constraints will ensure lower probability of correlated errors and hence will allow us um, to use a very lightweight single symbol correct three-way interleave FEC. Going a little bit more details on the electrical side. Um, so a very common topology that we study for PCIe spec development is a so-called one connector CAM topology. What we are showing here is a system host board and a CAM-based card plugged into it. Our goal since PCIe 4.0 has been to um, allow support of this topology where a CPU or root complex in communicating with a non-root complex, which could be a storage device or could be a graphics or GPU uh, and, and so on. Uh, it has to be able to support at least about 13 inches of PCB routing because sometimes that is the, um, the distance uh, physically one has to go to connect and place a CAM card. And that has to be enabled without the use of a retimer. So that's a tough constraint uh, to meet. And what we are showing in this table is the PCIe 5.0, that total loss budget is 36 dB root complex, which is the, could be the CPU or a switch, uh, takes about 9 dB in 5.0. And the add-in card, uh, which doesn't include the connector here, is about 9.5 dB. And then connector plus routing, and then the board is 17.5 dB. Since we are losing 4 dB budget from die pad to pad, um, we tightened the root complex package loss by a dB and adding card loss by another dB. So that leaves about a 2 dB gap for the system routing. So we can see that um, by improving the PCB board materials or the stack up, um, we probably need about 10% improvement in the PCB loss to be able to support similar channel rates as 5.0. But this allowed us to, to really support very close to PCA 5.0-like channel. And in that way, we would be able to leverage um, the, the fundamental infrastructure of the platforms and data centers and still move to doubling the bandwidth in PCA 6.0 time. So let me summarize the key electrical challenges in PCI 6.0. Um, as we mentioned, it's a PAM4 signaling. It requires FEC. We must improve the raw bit error rate or first bit error rate before any correction and before any DFE burst error. 
and that needs to be at least in the minus six, which is very difficult to achieve. Uh, pad to pad loss is is also reduced by four dB to minus 32 dB at 16 gigahertz. And reference package models improve to mimic the actual implementation, uh, three to six dB. So that's um, 1.5 to 2x improvement in reflection and crosstalk. Clock uh, quality has significantly improved. Random jitter is now 100 femtosecond. The TX equalization has been revamped with the second TX precursor and a new preset table have been defined at 64 gigatransfer per second. We have made TX pre-coding and gray coding mandatory. Improvement in silicon jitter is about 2X. Um, the receiver has been improved with an improved CTLE and 16 tab DFE. Also, we expect even more improvement in the receiver quality by defining a receiver eye mask of of uh, the outer eye, top eye, 10% UI and only six millivolt, which means a very weak signal have to be detected by the receiver. Um, so it puts stringent constraint on the quality of the receiver that, that we must have. Overall, by making all these improvements in electrical layer, logical layer and protocol layer, layer we are able to achieve a low latency solution is still better, I mean, power efficiency than PCI 5.0 and supporting PCI 5.0 like channel reach. Of course, channel quality has to improve, uh, material has to improve, and all of those improvements must happen. But we should be able to still bring this PCI 6.0 technology in a fully backwards compatible way in the uh, infrastructure that we have in many applications and many form factors that are going to be in the industry for a long time to come. In the next few slides, I will not probably go through too much details, but we uh, show a glimpse of the type of analysis work that we do to assess that can we reach the channel reach that are similar to PCI 5.0 with all the decisions and requirements you have made in the specification. So we take again a topology, which is a so-called one connected CAM topology, where a card, PCA card, is communicating with, with the root complex. So we make an assumption that the transmitter um, is, is that spec defined transmitter, receiver is the spec defined receiver, and then um, pin to pin uh, model is, is where we model the PCB routing on both system and the add-in card. We also represent the package models by the reference package models that are defined in the specification. And then we run the simulation to see whether we are achieving our goal. So this slide shows the eye height versus the system routing length. And um, the um, PCB length is, is from four to 14 inches. CTLE index here is, is shows by exhaustively sweeping the indices that are corresponding to various CTLE cards defined in the specification. And um, wherever the maximum I 
area is obtained is considered the optimal and achievable. So what this red line shows is the spec limit for a passing condition, I height needs to be higher than that. So we can see about 13 inches is where we can achieve some positive solution, which is higher than six millivolt. Similarly, while we go higher and higher loss, DFE tap is kept under control to reduce the burst error. So the H1, H0 is, is the DFE tap coefficient, first one divided by the cursor is limited to uh, 0.55. So that minimizes the DFE burst error probability. And similarly here, we show the eye width. Uh, the top eye width spec limit is 10% UI. And we can again see up to 13 inches, we have more than 10% UI margin. So this kind of demonstrates that with the spec defined transmitter receiver channel and is still keeping the DFE limit um, to extend to control the DFE burst error, we can achieve 13-inch system routing, four-inch add-in card routing without a retimer, and hence we can support uh, a wi wide um, volume of usages of PCIe intact and and bring doubling of the data rate and doubling of the bandwidth. So this would be my basically the last uh, topic or slide. I want to give you a little bit of an idea that how PCI-SIG offers a compliance process. Once the specs are defined like the basis specification and chemist specification, um, based on those, we derive a compliance and interoperability test specification that provides all the details of how the test should be done, what are the pass-fail criteria, what equipment to be used, and then what tools to be used, all those collateral then moves on. Um, and then PCI-SIG uh, ho holds about four workshops, compliance workshops, where industry members bring their systems, cards, tools, test and measurement uh, vendors bring their capabilities. And this process continues to develop some mature and robust program for the compliance. And at a certain point um, after the specifications are developed, um, there would be something called integrators list. If certain number of, of tests are passed at a protocol level, electrical, logical level, then those are considered a um, essentially PCA interoperable card or systems. And what this process guarantees that if those past um, uh, systems and cards that passed, if they are put into together, uh, they will uh, work flawlessly. And that's the program provides um, a path to design compliance. And um, these are basically what gives a mature ecosystem um, across many usages of the PCI technology. So to summarize, in, in PCI 6.0, um, this architecture can meet the needs of storage interconnect solution in the foreseeable future. Uh, we see that this bandwidth provides not only the data rate scaling, this, the, this scalable width, this is another knob it has. It provides everything in a low power, low latency, high volume and cost effective way. 
It doubles the bandwidth with full backwards compatibility. We have seen and reviewed 64-bit CRC, a light FVC, and first bit error rate less than 10 to the minus six, and using link level retry with low retry probability um, enables a low latency solution and highly reliable with fit much, much less than one solution. And we are also able to support PCA 5.0 like channel reach um, with many improvements in circuits and channels. So I am truly excited. I think the PCA 6.0 is going to meet not only all the uh, demands that storage will be putting, but also the needs of many other usages and and, uh, architectures. And because of its widespread use across many segments of the industry, um, it will be providing a mature ecosystem, very cost-effective solution for all storage, um, so the demands in the future. Um, Thank you very much. Really appreciate your presence in this presentation and in this session. Um, If you have any questions, um, please pass those on. I will try to answer them. And um, again, really appreciate your presence. Hopefully uh, you got a flavor of what is coming in the PCA 6.0 technology and in the overall PCA technology, and you'll consider their usage and effective usage in many applications that you drive and bring to the industry. Thank you so much again. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the material presented in this podcast, be sure and join our developers mailing list by sending an email to developers-subscribe at SNEA.org. Here you can ask questions and discuss this topic further with your peers in the storage developer community. For additional information about the Storage Developer Conference, visit www.storagedeveloper.org.